Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly podcast. This is the podcast that is absolutely 100% worth waiting for that extra day. My name is Chris, I am your host and as you probably guessed from that intro we are very late than usual but you know these things happen, life gets in the way but one thing we're not late, late for is the party of all of the goals in Liga. More on that in a moment. I need some guests, of course, to discuss the happenings of the weekend with. So, from left to right, it is Phil, first of all. How are you doing, Phil? Hello, I am well. Good, good. And in the middle, because that's where he likes to be, it's Mr Jeremy Smith. How are you doing, Jess? Uh, yeah, good, thanks. Good, good. I didn't call you a piggy. I just, just put you in the middle, just like to say that at this stage. And uh, far oh. right, but only in the sense of the podcast, I have to stress that yeah. quite clearly. <laughs> it's Mr. Richard. <laughs> How are you doing, Rich? Oh, uh, good. Thank you very much. Good, good. I, I suddenly thought that could have gone horribly wrong if I didn't caveat it. So, <laughs> right, excellent. So, uh, welcome to you all, and uh, dear listener, thank you for tuning in as usual. A couple of featured games, as well as a bit of a side segment uh, involving a third game for this week's pod. So, first things first, let's read you down the results from the weekend and then we'll get into it. Uh, the best team in France opened up the weekend with a 1-0 win over Monaco. Of course, that's uh, Marion. Yeah, yeah. We then, knew you were going to... No, no comebacks. You just, were going to do this. Just, just let it, just let it simmer. Just, just let me savour it just this week. Uh, 1-0 win for Lorient. Terra Moffi scoring from the penalty spot in a game largely dominated by Monaco. But I think it's fair to say uh, Lorient's battling qualities got them through. Uh, Lille, nil, Nice, four. More on that in a little bit more depth in a moment. But goals from Casper Dolberg twice, Amin Guiri and Budawi securing a hell of a win that for Nice. As I say, we'll be back to that one in a moment. We'll also be taking a little dip into PSG 4, Strasbourg 2, Maro Icardi, Ludovic Ajorka with an own goal, Julian Draxler and Pablo Sarabia for the home side, Ajorka uh, scored at the right end, uh, wonderful goal has to be said, Gamero, of course he scored in his return to Parc de Brasse, and uh, Alex Jiku sent off for two bookable offences uh, just when Strasbourg were threatening to do something quite fun, uh, I'll say we'll be back to that one shortly. As indeed we will be to Angers 3, Lyon 0. Quite the story there. Sofian Buffal, uh, Marcelo and goal. And uh, now with the third, Max Cornet sent off for two bookable offences. In a week, he was linked with Burnley. Not the great week for the Cornet family, one would suspect. Uh, Brest won, ran one, a late opener for Girasti. Seemed to have secured the points for Ren in this one. And Derby, in fact, before Le Durand got the equaliser. Deep into stoppage time to end the game in a draw. Uh, top of the table, Clermont. Yes, you heard me right. Top of the table, Clermont. Won the battle of the promoted size. The 2 one over Troyes. Cabore's red card didn't help Troyes... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, didn't help Troyes' case in this one. Uh, <clears throat> and Phil's favourite, Mohamed Bayo, getting both goals. Uh, he looks like he's going to be a little bit of a force this season. So, oh yeah, very, uh... top scorer in Ligue 2 last season, and doesn't appear to be slowing down any at this point. No, until his inevitable uh, four million pound transfer to Sunderland in two weeks' time. Yeah. Hopefully not. But yes, I joke. Mm. Uh, <laughs> not a good week for Jez, unfortunately, as Mets come to not a two 0 win for the home side. Colomwani. Uh, with a clever opening goal for Ludovic Blas, who's fast becoming my new man crush in Liga, with the second goal to secure the points 
for the home side. Uh, Ravson Montpellier served up a thriller in a 3-3 draw. Nicola Cosa with the opener for Montpellier before Kasama scored a double for Rouse. The second in particular was a, a well, just a stunning strike, to be fair. Andy Delore, of course, he got uh, a goal. He equalised Gaetan Laborde, who else got the, the goal to put Montpellier in front with a clever back heel before Kibal equalised late on for Rouse with a share of the spoils. Speaking of share of the spoils, that brings us to our last two games of the weekend. St Etienne and Lens drawing by uh, drawing and score to 2 2. Uh, Ganago equalising Webby Carrasby's opener for Lens after St Etienne went in front. Boanga put St Etienne back in front, and Fofana got the equaliser for the home side. And finally, the, probably the game of the weekend, uh, arguably, uh, in terms of a back-to-front game that you just did not expect to anything to happen in this one. In, 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 uh, as soon as Marseille had gone 2-0 up anyway, it ended in a 2-2 draw, though. Cengiz Under and uh, Dimitri Payet with another one of his crackers made it two goals up for the home side. But Timothy Pampele, of course, a PSG low knee scoring against Marseille, who'd have thought, touch of fortune, but he came off the bench at halftime and managed to get... One back for Rami Udao equalised just six minutes later. Uh, Balerdi was later sent off for the home side. And if nothing else, I think uh, Rich certainly mentioned it. I think we've all mentioned it at some point. Marseille are going to be fun. Whatever whatever happens this season, whatever ends up shaking out, they are going to score and concede many goals. So we're going to start with kind of a, a bit of a feature. Um, we will discuss the game, but I think there's almost a bigger story at play here. Uh, Rich, I'll start with you this week. Um, Lille, nil, Nice 4. Um, as I say, by all means, we can discuss the performance. It was a very good performance from Nice, who were two up in five minutes. But uh, Christophe Geltier received a bit of stick from various quarters about how he left Lille, how he sort of sought out this project with Nice and, uh, and whatnot. But I, I don't know what the bigger story is in, in this game. It's whether, is it him as a manager or is it the fact that, or coach, or is it the fact that Lille haven't really shifted any of their title winning side and they look a shell of what won the title last year? What was your kind of takeaway from, from this performance and, and the tactical display put on by, by Geltier in, in this particular win? Um, well, I'm, I'm not sure there was too much criticism aimed at Geltier. I think, um, you know, what, what else is he going to achieve with Lille? You know, he's won the title with a, you know, slightly unfashionable team. Um, I think a move following that was going to always be on the cards. I don't know how much he necessarily pushed that hard for it um, or whether the financial situation at the club sort of forced him to go looking um, elsewhere. But, um, yeah, it's it's a strange one. There's obviously going to be a huge effect. Uh, well, first of all, as you say, with the playing, the playing squad, not a huge amount has changed. Um, but you lose the coach, and as much as we all love Gorvanek, he's not really got a track record at this level. Um, so when you lose the coach that sort of brought everything together and replace him with someone with a, let's say, questionable record, it's perhaps understandable that things are going to fall apart. It doesn't take too many departures for things to start sort of disintegrating, if that doesn't sound too dramatic. Uh, Sumare obviously seemed to be finding some regular, consistent form last season, especially the tail half, uh, second half of the season, where I thought he really looked excellent at times. 
Um, and then obviously they've lost Galtier as well. Um, you know, Jose Font's another year older. Um, is that putting him another year in decline? They've lost Mike Mignon. Um, I, I did think, certainly after the first game, I thought that was a massive loss. Um, but actually, <laughs> um, they, they you know, despite conceding four, I don't think the goalkeeper was at much fault for for those goals. It just, and it's a common theme, I think, through most games this weekend. There was just a lot of really bad defending. Um, but in terms of that, that Lille project, ugh, horrible word, but that Lille project, you know, it's in a very, very tricky situation. You know, the, the, the financial implications that they're potentially facing, meaning that, you know, transfers in have been borderline non-existent. People have had to depart. You know, it, it's not looking great. You know, I think they were very, very fortunate in the in the first week, um, you know, with that late, late, late equaliser. Uh, and then they were put to the sword by Nice, you know, and then looking at Nice with you know, Gautier in charge. Um, you know, it's, it, that is an exciting project. Sorry, I've used that word again. But, you know, the money aside, it does actually look as though they're spending that money wisely. You know, the, the, the purchases that they're making seem to be considered. They're not just throwing the money around left, right and centre. They are making considered purchases and slowly but surely they're building up that squad. Uh, and we mentioned them in the the uh, season preview podcast, how exciting some of those acquisitions look to be. Um, but, you know, after, after two games, it's players that were already there that are looking fantastic. You know, Leon will continue to be kicking themselves until God knows when over letting um, Guiri leave um, to Nice because he's looking great. Goldberg back, he scored twice. Um, you know, he's that threat in the six-yard box that they need. They've got the players either side of Goldberg then to create the chances. They are starting to look like a more cohesive unit than the, perhaps they were um, certainly at the beginning of last season under under Patrick Vieira. Um, so, you know, Gautier, Nice seems to be a match made in heaven. It's now whether they can build on a performance like that, because for, for all that Lille were poor, Nice were really, really good in that game. You know, let's let's not do them a disservice on that front. So the the sort of challenge, I suppose, for Gautier now is to bring all these players together and get this team, which by and large is still quite a youngish team, but get this team now performing to that level now on a consistent basis, do that. And I think, again, as we said in the preview podcast, they could be an outside bet for a Champions League spot. Yeah, 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 good show. Um, that was my, I kind of stole my thunder there in terms of what I was going to ask you, Phil, about, about Nice. Do you, do you think they are... Champions League sort of potential qualifiers or do you think they could even aim higher? I mean, we haven't really 
even consider them as title challengers, but we didn't consider Nice before, uh, Nice, Lille before last season. And look what they did. It, it just takes a run of results and PSGs have the right on, on European uh, silverware, so to speak. And you just never know, do you? Do you fancy them based on what you've seen so far? I think we, we saw a couple of years ago, they had a really, really strong start. And it does seem to be very much do they have a manager who is going to support that? And I I think maybe it was Lequipe who said, um, Galtier, it's after the divorce. Um, so maybe there was a little bit of uh, trying extra hard in this situation after some of the administrative issues he's faced with his previous club. Um, so they were just great fun to watch in this game. I thought the Lamina goal was lovely. Um, and Guiri also, I think he got the ball in the net later on as well, but was um, counted offside. I mean, they, they really did go for it. And that was a great thing to see. And I think Leal kind of panicked in the face of that and just didn't know what to do with it. So it will be interesting to see if they can keep that going. There's going to be ups and downs, obviously, but um, the big game on Sunday, Nice-Marseille. So I say the Sunday, surely not. I don't know. I think (laughs) we're all looking forward to that one, aren't we? That could be chaos. I'm yeah, really hoping that is a goal fest, um, given uh, both teams kind of <laughs> approach to life at the moment. So yeah, it should be it should be very interesting. But I'm not willing to call them until we're further into the season. I mean, this is too early to be. Don't want to go too early and then have like it. that. Egg on the face, yeah, yeah, yeah. with you on, on that one. And Ches, I wanted to just ask you, sort of on, on the Leal side of things, is this just a, is it just kind of a case of look, new manager, new ideas? Um, you know, there is a bit of expectation on the fact that they're champions, even if nobody really expects them to retain. Is it just, is it just teething problems, or does it run a bit, a bit deeper than that? I know it's only two games in, but. There's a few worrying signs. This is a side that didn't concede goals last year and already this season, you know, a 4-0 home defeat and a 3-3 away draw. It's not it's not great, is it, for a team that was so defensively solid previously? I think it's a it's a big mixture of things. I, I Some teams are affected more than others by the ridiculous fact that we still got a transfer window that carries on into the new season, which I just... I just think is such a stupid idea. And I, think, Second. I think Lil more than a lot of others are sort of affected by that because everyone knows the financial situation of the club. And so I think a few players are kind of in limbo and, and not even sure. You know, they know that they can be sold for the right price, so they don't know if they're likely to stay or not. I don't think that helps. I think there's also got to be a little bit of sort of emotional release from from having won the league last year. Um, the change of coach, I mean, what Gautier has done so quickly and he shows that 
what a quality coach he is. And, and as Rich said, as much as we all like Ulfinek, I don't think he is the same quality as, as Gautier. So that's a factor as well. You've got um, a few injuries, especially in midfield, as well as Sumare going. You've got um, Sheko who was out at the weekend. You've got um, Sanchez, who's, who's I think needs to have an operation. Yeah. Um, so you've got Yazici filling in there, who's not a central midfielder. Um, you've got a few players coming off the back of a relatively disappointing Euro, which probably doesn't help. So I just think it's a mixture of all those factors. I think the seven goals conceded is a bit of a shocker because if nothing else, you'd kind of think, well, at least, you know, Font and, and Botman will be our sort of our sure things. And, you know, even if we're not functioning or we're not scoring many goals, at least they'll keep things tight at the back. So I think that's a bit of a surprise. But then it also probably goes to show how important um, a, a keeper behind you in whom you're completely confident, um, how important that is. I think they had that with Mignon. They don't have that with Jardim. There's been talk of Lille possibly going over after someone else, maybe Rykovic, for example. And I think it does feel a little bit like like Jardim is a, is a bit of a stopgap. And unless he somehow imposes himself, I think that does rub off onto the defence. And although it wasn't entirely Font and Botman's fault this time, I thought Selic had a pretty poor game. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people say, well, it's particularly hard when you're 2-0 down after five minutes. That's true, but it's their fault they were 2-0 down after five minutes. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I just think it's a all those factors kind of put together and it's just a difficult start. I don't think anyone's expecting them to um, kind of defend their title or anything like that, but I hope they get their act together a little bit. This is still mainly the same team that won the league last year, so you'd hope that they can get their act together a bit. And you know, the main thing for me is I just hope they, they give a good, good account of themselves in the Champions League and maybe they've got half an eye on that. I don't know, but... It's not a great start. I think things will settle a little bit. I don't think they'll pull up any trees, but I think they'll they'll have a sort of fair to middling season. But yeah, it is sort of worrying times at the moment, at least till things settle down in the next, as I said, maybe after the transfer window's closed and everyone knows exactly where they're going to be for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, the, just, just a sidebar on the goalkeeper. The one that I can't quite get my head around is, uh, is I know they were linked earlier on in the summer. Leon were linked with Onana, and sure, he for me feels like quite a good fit for Lille in terms of that they could give Jardine the games until Onana's suspension. Were we really out. taking advice on goalkeepers from an Arsenal fan? I mean, you know, yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, and I'd rather have you in goal than our goalkeeper, so just saying. But uh, yeah. But again, it's, it's, it's can they afford it? Well, that's, that is, that's true. Yeah, that's something I haven't really factored into the, the thought process. So yeah, that, that is a fair point. But uh, yeah, on paper, seems a good fit, but maybe not in the financial terms. Let's, um, let's move on and I will start, where will I go? I'll start with Phil on this one. Um, because Phil, I'm sure rather than uh, picking apart Leon, which I'll do in a minute, I'm sure you'd like to give some credit to Angers, who they did win by three goals to nil in this particular game. I think if you'd have given me a pound and said, put it on any fixture this weekend uh, for a three nil home win, I wouldn't have picked this one. Um, what's your thoughts on this sort of Angers revolution? Because they seem to be a completely different outfit. And for all of us essentially saying we worried about them, it's two games in, of course, but 
they're kind of enjoying themselves and having a lovely time there. And um, I was, I think one benefit of having the uh, French football coverage is we got to see the post-match first match back home uh, in front of the fans, kids on the pitch. They had all their children on the pitch. There was Baby Dumbia is particularly glorious. There was another young girl who very stubborn who appeared to have um, co-opted the match ball. I didn't see uh, the name on the back of her shirt, but she definitely um, is going to be an ultra in the future. So it was really happy on one side. Uh, Bouffard got the opener, then there was Marcelo Angal, then Unahi got the, the third, Corne sent off. And you could tell from that that OL were just starting to flake a bit. And we've heard since then, obviously, Marcelo has been sent to train with the reserves after, well, I'm not even sure what he did, but it was... Uh, Leon put out a presser saying unprofessional behaviour, unacceptable behaviour. So I'm guessing he called somebody a prick in the dressing room. Something to do with a substitute, I believe. Something when he returned to the bench after the game. So that's what I've read. I didn't hear who or what. But so um, OL appear to be, you know, kind of collapsing in on themselves again. Um, please follow our good friend Tarek, uh, LaFalse number 12 on Twitter, um, who hits all over this kind of thing. But yeah, it was great to see Angers putting together an attacking performance. I know when they first came up, they were defensively strong and we kept banging on about that for a while, but they've been up for a while now and they do have a good attacking side. And it's you know, kind of um, nice to see that they are making that kind of change and they were very impressive. Mm. So Lyon having another one of their episodes. Um, but yeah, Angers looking at all of that was, was very good fun. One thing I noticed early on was when they do the... Um, the lineups and they put everybody's picture up. I noticed the first Bernardoni had the kind of iRobot yeah. regen thing, but then Grimage did as well. And it were I was um, arguing about this with Steve West, and our good friend John Johnson came in and said, I think they all had to have um, kind of. Uh, images taken for the current season. And of course, both Bernard and Ingramarish were at uh, the Olympics. Yes, they, they missed possibly the missed the, um, missed the filming situation. But yes, it did look very strange, given that Bernard has been there a while now. For, for the they wouldn't time. actually have a picture of him and he looked like... Um, Paul Bethany in WandaVision, but grey. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the uh, the iRobot characters uh, 
Uh, Lauren Koscielny had a, a lovely time playing with one uh, for Bordeaux the other week, I, I noted on Twitter. Um, Jez, I'll come back to you first as we begin the uh, the Rich and Jez annihilation of, of Leon. I'm joking, Leon fans, I'm joking. But it's not been great, has it, Jez? I mean, I know you, uh, as I said to you, uh, pre-season, I was quite looking forward to seeing him under Peter Bosch. And so far, uh, you are the one that has got it right in terms of what's happening because not a lot of good is happening, I think it's fair to say. And this Marcelo incident, some would say it's been coming for a while, given his, his history with the Lyon fans. But it, it's a bit worrying when a defender makes a mistake of that level. It was a really bad own goal. Lyon were, were taken apart by an albeit fresh and rejuvenised uh, Angers side who were left in pretty good nick by, uh, by, by the departing Moulin in the summer. But what, what's your thoughts on Lyon? I mean, what, what, where do you even begin because it's the lack of business would worry me as a Leon fan does it does it for you as well I think again there's some mitigating circumstances I think Lopez who's actually started the season okay has been pretty unsettled by the fact that Leon seemed to make it clear they wanted to bring in someone else as, as the number one keeper um, there's been sort of changes in the defense and disruption as well I think Marcelo probably only played yesterday or this weekend, sorry, because Danaya, De Silva, um, I think one other player, I can't remember who, were, were either injured or had COVID or whatever. Um, and the midfield, for example, Paqueta and, and Guimaraes obviously have come back relatively late from the Olympics. So, I'd, and obviously Depay is a huge loss, which any team is going to have to adjust to. But I'm not sure that any of that or even, and I know that's what Lyon crying out for is Lyon fans rather is for for the club to dip into the transfer market, and they definitely do need to. But I'm not sure that's a good enough excuse for such a capitulation at Angers. Um, as you said, like with all due respect to Angers, they did play well, but this is more or less the team that were autumn champions last year, and still, you know, were challenging till relatively late, if not for the title, for Champions League places and should be doing a lot better. And as you said, Peter Bosch is supposed to have a decent pedigree as a coach. There's reports today that it's not just about attitude or form. There's also concerns about among the players about lack of fitness, for example, and his strange training methods, which seem to be relatively relaxed, even though he wants to play a a high-pressing game. So I think there's a lot of things that are wrong there. I'm going to go back to to my usual issue, which is that I think Juninho seems to be getting um, away with a hell of a lot because so much of this has been coming for two, three years with bad choices as coach, bad choices of players coming in, uh, a bias, it seems, towards um, uh, Brazilian players. I've literally just read a tweet saying Juninho doesn't like the attitude of a lot of the young players in the in the sort of, uh, what's it called, kind of youth centre, which, okay, he may have a point there, but also they're desperate for a left-back. Should they really have got rid of Bard, even if they need the money? Should they, as Rich said, surely they shouldn't have got rid of Guerri. So uh, it just, there doesn't seem to be any kind of joined up thinking here. I think there's a few players who just don't want to be there. I think I've made it clear what I think of him and his attitude for the last couple of years, but I just think they should get rid now because he clearly isn't really interested. Gimaraes, great, had a good Olympics, but was really poor last season and has got a lot to prove. Um, 
Kakare, I don't know why he didn't start, because if nothing else, at least he always plays with a bit of heart. Um, and then up front, I just, they're just not good enough. I mean, I've never been convinced about Slimani. That Toko Akambi header that he missed, okay, he sort of set it up for himself, but that was a terrible miss. Kadawera, haven't seen him yet. Cherky, I'd still, I'd like him to have a really good long run in the team, even if he has bad games. Just let him settle as a starter. How are we supposed to how expect him to kind of begin to fulfil his potential when one week he's starting, the next week he's on the bench, next week, next week he's not even coming off the bench. I think he's the kind of player who probably does need to have a lot of confidence shown in him and, and for him to just be given the chance to really express himself. So I just think there's fault all the way through the club. And just looking at Marcelo, obviously we, we don't know the details of what he did today, although it does smack a little bit of kind of convenient excuses after sort of getting a one out of 10 performance in Lekip. And yes, the own goal was funny, but I think people are slightly overdoing it. That was just one incident in a comprehensive 3-0 defeat. Mm. Um, yeah, I just think it's a mess all the way through the club at the moment. And it's been coming for two, three years now. And of course, the cherry on top is that with their strikers looking so poor, to be fair, Dembele had a great effort early on, which was well yeah. saved. And he's not a kind of player who's going to do anything if he doesn't get service and he didn't get service. But, um, you know, the, the, this was masterminded by Batik, who until recently has been the sort of long-standing forwards coach for Lyon. And a lot of Lyon fans have been crying out for years for, for the club to get rid of him. So... Be careful what you wish for as well. Yeah, yeah, well said. Yeah, that's uh, that's becoming an ever more popular phrase in, in the world of football. And Rachel, I wanted to with yourself. I just wanted to zero in on on the sort of the business that Leon are, are doing. What what would be your focus if if you were were either the Leon manager or, or president? Because like Jess said, there there seems seems to me when I watch them or have watched them, uh, not just pre season but into the season now, there does seem to be. A few players there that maybe aren't settled. I mean, Dembele, like just says, has come back and has performed well, but was out on loan last season. Awar looks to me like a player who who knows he missed an opportunity last summer and doesn't want to miss another one this summer. Jazz mentioned the Lopez situation, uh, the Depay exit without replacing him. You know, Slimani, I'm just not convinced with either. And then there's the Marcelo issue. What would you be doing as a Leon coach? I mean, would you be would you be blooding these younger players and just not writing the season off, but almost saying whatever happens, we just need to get through the season and, and blood some new stars. Or would you actually be looking at, at Jean-Michel Olas and saying, actually, we need to be investing in in at least players that are going to get us up the table this season, you know, and maybe even former players coming back in, in the shape of Alex Lacazette, which I know has been talked about recently. What would be your focus if you were Leon coach right now? And Umtiti. And Umtiti, good shout, yeah. I mean, if I was lit on coach, I'd be going storming straight to Olaf, saying I need to be having at least some say, yeah. some influence in the recruitment because you can't, you know, Janino has not given us a track record of he knows what he's doing with regards to acquiring players. Um, you know, when you look at, you know, they they the reason that Florian Maurice is up at Wren is because he was skipped over for this role. He was sort of bypassed for this role that Janinho was given instead. And, you know, if we look at the players that, that Florian, Florian Maurice has recruited at Wren, 
you know, they are exactly the kind of players that, that Leon could perhaps do with. But, it, I mean, players that need to come in, I mean, there's, there's issues everywhere. You know, you take out, if you're banishing Marcelo to the reserves and presumably now going to get rid of him, I think there was talk that they're trying to come to a mutual, um, you know, cancellation of his contract. So if, if you're getting rid of him, your experience in the centre of defence is Damien De Silva and Jason Denier, both of whom have hardly got a glittering track record when it comes to remaining fit for a full season. So you're then into the realms of, you know, there's a whole host of, you know, young players, 20, 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds. So there's a real dearth of experience there. There's holes in, you know, there's holes at left back. There's holes in midfield. There's holes out wide. Uh, they, uh, you know, persevere with Dembele because, you know, he has proven, um, you know, both in, in England, in Scotland and back in, in, in France when he first came back to, to Lyon, that he can score. You know, he know he, as cliched as it is, he knows where the net is. Um, so, you, but you need to get him some supply. So there is a whole host of players that I think they need to be looking at bringing in. Yeah, it's okay saying we'll we'll rely on the on the youth, and you know they do have a good record of good youth players coming through, but they're not, you know, Kakaray, perfect example, Cherky, perfect example. They're not being given the right length of opportunity in their you know favoured positions. You know, Cherky, we know where Cherky needs to perhaps be playing. And we know he needs to be playing regularly. I don't know why Kakaray didn't start at the weekend. He needs to be playing. Again, I will go back to the preview podcast. We said that Kakaray has to be the player that they build that team around. Um, so, you know, it seems that Bosch doesn't quite know how he wants to play this Leon team. The squad itself isn't as strong as it needs to be. Um, they, they are just a mess. And... You know, I think it's all well and good saying that, you know, Husamar, he does clearly need to go. He does, you know, he wants to go. I don't know who'd come in and buy him. Well, know, I've, I've got a vague idea, Rich. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, but, you know, if, if you're... I, I, don't, I don't know why, especially if Arsenal are going to be, you know, getting a, a permanent deal done for, for Odegaard. You know, at least he came in and did something for Arsenal. At least he's got a more recent track record of, of good performances. I mean, how long has it felt since Aouar has put in a good performance? It, it, but the only I, I, I didn't recall many last season, if any. And, you know, we're, we're then into the season before. And it's the only caveat I'd say to that. And I, I've, I've, I've often wondered, like, I agree with what, what Jez has said previously. Like, I do think there's an issue with, I do think there's an element of, of him being slightly overhyped. The only thing I would think with a player like Oar is, is that if there's ever a club that's going to overpay for him, it, it's us. Um, Cause that's what we do. And I just wonder if maybe he's a player who, I, I think we probably all agree there is talent there. How much overhyped element to it? Questionable. Is he a captain? No, not at all. But there is talent there, and sometimes you just need a player to move on to find a you know a fresh start, and then they recapture that talent. And that's what that's kind of when I look at that Leon squad as a whole. I just look at that the overall squad, and there's so many players that just seem to have been there for a long time. 
you know, I know it's and, going off subject slightly, but do you really think Arsenal's the place for him then? Seriously? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I do to the degree that I actually think that in a, in a side like we have, he would probably get a bit of creative license. And I think he would actually be played in the right areas. And I think like if you, if you put him alongside Thomas Partey, I think you'd probably get a better player because you, you give him that bit of creative license, but he can also... You go back to the player that I liked when he first broke into the Leon side where you, you get a bit more energy from him and a bit of opportunity to pull the strings from deep. That said, would, would Arteta, he... of course, is renowned for treating young French players well. Well, this is my other concern. <laughs> but I mean, he, even if he went to, you know, a, a side as a Spanish club or, you know, a, a Bundesliga club, I, you see there's quite a lot of French players in the Bundesliga now. I, I do genuinely think the talent's there, but he just looks like this is a guy who captained Leon in pre-season, you know, and was talking up their chances. They've got they, they've now got a captain that half the Leon fans don't even want at the club. Um, as you said about the goalkeeper situation, Jez, you know, it, it's you've got a player, whatever you think of Lopez, he's been a long-time servant and he's not being treated very well. Um, speaking of Arsenal and, and uh, directors of football, I think only Edu is rivals Juninho for one of the worst ones around at the moment. So it's just... Uh, it just feels like a mess to me in a season where if ever there was a season where, you know, Leon should be looking to get back into the Champions League, surely this is the one where you don't know what you're going to get from, from Lille. You, you don't know where Monaco are going to be because they're already in the Champions League, so they might have their heads turned. You know, PSG are going to have their focus on the Champions League, you'd think. It just seems like a missed opportunity that they've, they've got off to the worst possible start. Um, for, t- for too long, it has felt, though, that all the negative focus on the blame game at Leon has always seemingly been aimed at the wrong person. Mm. You know, the fans obviously enjoyed such good times, you know, a number of years ago now where they were top dogs in France, I feel have become quite entitled. Mm. And, you know, every manager that comes in, it's, it's the manager's fault. It's the manager's fault. Certain players in those Leon squads have got off scot-free. You know, Marcelo was for, you know, he hasn't helped himself, of course, but for so long he has been that focus of, you know, he's the bad representation, bad representation on the pitch. And then, you know, Remy Gard, Hubert Fournier, Genesio, Garcia, they've all come in. And I actually think if you go back on those managers... I think you could argue that they almost overachieved at times with, with the Leon squad that they had available, but it was never good enough for the Leon fans. And time and time again, the Leon fans turned on the coach and it was the coach that had to go. Meanwhile, Olas, as, as great as he has been for Leon over the years, Olas has got off scot-free for some poor decisions in terms of who he's brought in into senior positions. And then in the last few years, as Jess said, Janino has got off scot-free. That, I'm afraid, is where the buck has to lie. And I don't know what Olas's focus is on. I don't know whether there's this focus on him grooming Tony Parker as the next, you know, CEO or chairman, whatever you want to call president of, of, of the club. I don't know if his focus is on that or if it's a, you know, papering over the cracks by bringing Janino, obviously such a great player, bringing him back and using him as a, you know, distraction from from what the real problems are. Um, you know, they have been this selling club, you know, bringing through all these brilliant young players 
and selling them on. And it just seems time and time again, they have just papered over the cracks. And the, the reports linking them with, you know, Lacazette and Umtiti. Well, again, that's just more, more, it's just more papering over those cracks, isn't it? It's just bringing mm. back players that gets the fans all excited and gets the focus away from actually the men who should be making the, the big decisions are not making the correct decisions. Mm. You know, you're going to bring back Umtiti. Wonderful player, but how long has it now been since he's been able to string, you know, five consecutive games together? Mm. Three seasons? Four? I mean, we have to even go back to the World Cup. Um, Lacazette, you know, great. You're bringing him back, but striker isn't the problem position. No. You know, it's, it's, it's a case of actually there needs to be a real focus on who, who aren't doing their jobs. And from a, on a consistent basis over the last few seasons, I'm afraid the, the book finishes with Olas and his right-hand man, Janino, and they're the ones that are getting off scot-free. Yeah. The, yeah. the only thing I'll say to that is that with Olas, yeah, he's got to take some of the blame because he appointed Janino and he could get rid of Janino. But I still think Olas stopped taking decisions, and that arguably actually happened even before Janino came in with... Hulier becoming more, I know it's complete blasphemy to say anything against Gerard Hulier in, in England, but with him coming in and becoming more influential and tension between him and, and Lacan, for example, and Maurice as well, to an extent. Um, in a way, I think Lyon would be in a much better state if it was the way it used to be, where it was Olas making every decision, because generally, as controversial as he can be, the decisions he would make were generally very good decisions. Um, and the only other thing I would say is that I absolutely agree that some coaches have completely been very unfairly treated and criticised. And again, it's that be careful what you wish for. And Genesio is the obvious example, Fournier as well. Um, I actually think, I know it's only two matches in, but I haven't heard Bosch get any kind of criticism so far. And I think he does deserve a lot of criticism. Yes, two matches in, but... You know, Silvino was under a hell of a lot of pressure after just three matches, and that was after winning the first two matches. Um, Gal, you know, Bosch was appointed early enough. He's had a full pre-season with most of the team. Um, and, you know, even if things aren't working, you'd want to be able to see a little bit of direction and seeing absolutely nothing from this Lyon team. And you look at all the other new coaches that have come in, they're all doing something. They're all sort of stamping their kind of signature and the way they want to play on their teams, for better or worse. Um, you know, Trois, okay, is not a new coach, but new to Ligue 1. Only one point, but in both matches, there was there was something there. You know, they, for example, they gave PSG a real fright, for example. Um, Marseille, you know, sketchy win and... Um, slight capitulation but it's very clear what San Paoli's trying to do you can go through all of them I think it's just still completely unclear what Bosch is doing and while it's certainly not all his fault I'm concerned about how little authority he seems to have on on his team so early on yeah yeah there, there is definitely I think there's definitely fair lines of, of criticism coming out um, you know from the supporters in particular about what they're seeing and uh, I think like Rich touched on a bit there the 
sense of entitlement maybe is there and I guess it's hard to step away when you've had so much success but one thing you would say is that they're going up next um I mean like well maybe we'll just maybe we'll judge on what happens next when it happens next rather than, than speculating but I, I just don't think I'd be putting a huge amount of money on, on Leon beating Clermont, which is kind of quite the thing to say, as irrespective of Clermont winning their first two games, but as a new Even, even Sylvino beat Angers 6-0. Well, there, there you go. There you go. Enough said. Um, no, that, that was the game I was picking out from the next weekend. I think well, that was to watch, isn't it? Really, really interesting. Especially at 12 midday on a Sunday, you know, like the early game where potentially there'll be a, you know, a, an audience that that might not necessarily tune in normally, but we'll look at it now and think, actually, this might be one that's worth watching. And yeah, pressure is on them. Um, I, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. We're not going to throw the baby out of the bathwater just yet. Uh, I do want to ask you, Phil, and um, we'll keep this one brief because I think we've done quite a bit on Leon there, which is, which is good stuff. I do want to touch on on PSG, they paraded their new signings before the game, um, those oh. being uh, a certain Ramos and Messi included within that. It was a lovely little introduction. And then some, some booing. Yeah, well, well, I, well, let me ask you about that first then. I mean, Kylian Mbappe <laughs> was read out. There's, there's a lot of speculation in social media at the moment, which who'd have thought about the future of, of Kylian Mbappe, about whether he might go to Real Madrid and PSG might go for Ronaldo and, oh God, it's all going off. But... Do, do you see his future at Parc de France? Because he, he did play quite well in this game. He, in inverted commas, scored one and, and he did make one. I think that shot was, might have been on target, but I don't know. Made two. Oh, two. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. I've taken one off in there. That's cruel. But he, he did almost make a point of sort of saying to the ultras, hang on a minute, I'm still here. Um, but he did get booed before the game. So what, what do you make of all that situation? Well, I, I just thought that was very strange. Obviously, the... <clears throat> the rumours about him wanting to leave have aggravated certain sections of the fan base, but now Messi's there, it's like, surely if you've committed to this situation, the Champions League is the thing you're going for. And I know all of us watching Liga are pointing out that the front four of the um, shall we say first pick team don't do any defensive work there's going to be a massive hole in the middle but everybody's going oh yeah it'll be fine because they've got these four brilliant attackers it's like well uh but yes they will have these four brilliant attackers why would you not want to play in that attack and I just thought watching the Strasbourg game. Of course, Strasbourg have caused PSG some issues in the past uh, that we remember, but this was not a first-string PSG team. I was seeing PSG fans saying, who's that? About, uh, <laughs> about certain, certain uh, selections. But then they went 3-0 up. But then Strasbourg put a fight back together. And if it hadn't been for that Jigu um, red card, I think oh, two bookings the game, in three minutes. Yeah, silly bookings as well. 
absolutely ridiculous. Um, that again, after the game against Troy and the opening game of the season, this was not easy for PSG. And so, again, the whole we need to focus on the Champions League. The league is fine. We need to focus on the Champions League. Look how well that went last season. Yeah. And seriously, if they do play the team you'll imagine they have to play for financial and PR reasons, there will be a massive hole in midfield. And a couple of teams in Liga are good enough to do something with that. And there are several teams in the Champions League who can who could drive a coach and horses through that. So this is going to be interesting. They still haven't... I mean, obviously, their odds are. They're stupid odds. Yeah, as they should but, be. Yeah. But... Ah, there's... There's, know, there's still something there that can be got at if you have the uh, if you have the the gumption to go for them. Yeah, and I think we've seen that in the two matches so far. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I know I said earlier we can't judge anything on two matches, but seriously, you. You can get at these people. Yes. So go for it. What's um, uh, Rachel come to you next on this one? What What's your sort of take on the uh, just the, the Mbappe situation in terms of of how that's shaking out as well? Because I want to ask you on this one as well. Because it, the, the thing that kind of got me was um, whatever you think of it. Nasser Al Halifi was essentially called out really by by Killian and just before the Euros when he was sort of saying, well, I'll, you know, I'll base my future on what PSG do. And there was almost a uh, Thierry Henry type of comment when he's asked, it's like, well, I'll, I'll see what the, uh, what the board offer me and then I'll back my ambition based upon what they do. Well, NASA's basically gone into the office, unzipped and slapped it on the desk and said, well, there you go. Um, he's kind of called Mbappe's bluff a bit here. And would Mbappe look a little bit silly now if he goes... Yeah, well, you know, Messi's great and all that, but I'd want to go and play in La Liga where there's like four good players and just run the league. I mean, would that be a bit of an ambition drop for, for Mbappe if he did go down that route? Because for me, the the exciting project is is right where he is right now. It's well, I mean, yeah, it is the exciting project right now. Um, but you know, with with several of those big name players that PSG have signed, we're only going to be looking at two or three seasons tops, I think, out of, out of those That's fair, yeah. uh, out of those players. Whereas he could very much see, well, you know what, there's a there's a there's a chance here at Real Madrid where I could I could join a you know join the team and be the sort of spearhead of their their next sort of next phase, you know, with, with Ronaldo gone and and Benzema, you know, gradually winding down, there is a space for a absolutely enormous name in that in that team. And Mbappe could think, well, you know, yes, I can stay here and I can, you know, play with play with Messi, play with all these, you know, all these great players for 
two, three seasons, or I could go and, you know, spearhead um, a revival of a team that, you know, just as frequently and just as flagrantly bend the rules of financial fair play. Um, I don't know. The, the opportunity is there. I mean, certainly, you know, he wanted, you know, to see what the what players were brought in. And, yeah, right now, you, you're not going to get much bigger than some of the players that have come in. Um, it's just now, does he see those as, okay, are these just, you know, temporary? You know, it's it, fantastic players, but is this a long-term... Um, you know, is, is there a is there a long term chance of me being in this team and this caliber of players continuing? Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Certainly, you know, if you're looking purely at the right here, right now, I think PSG have done everything that that Mbappe would would want, and certainly all the noises that PSG are making is that yeah, it's fine. We're not worried. You know, he'll sign his contract, but. Part of me is thinking, well, is he actually going to look at the here and now or is he going to look at, OK, what does my career path look like in three or four years time? And if he does that, you could perhaps make an argument that, you know, he could think, well, actually, you know what, now now could be the time to, to make that move to Madrid. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one that will uh, will run on on the pitch. Jess, what was you, what did you take away from this performance of PSG? I, it's one of the few games. It's one of the few weekends actually where I've had to watch a lot of games, um, sort of in uh, post post game, so to speak. So I didn't get to watch too many live games. But this is one of those games that I I had on whilst doing something else, and I was kind of like, oh yeah, PSG are three 0 up and. And then actually switch the coverage to just updates because I was like, well, there's no point really watching anything because nothing's going to happen. And it went 3-1. And then for me, like goal of the weekend, that Ludovic de Jork second header, which was just a thing of just such a jorkiness. It was so good. But did I just thought it was a really good header. From that distance, I just think it was a really good header. Nothing you say is going to change my mind. So don't. Goal of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, okay, because the one was good as well. But anyway, let me have it. But uh, did PSG impress you? I mean, do, do you do you sort of feel that they're just winding into the season um, with the fact they haven't got all their their big names, their Neymar, the Messi, the Ramos, the uh, the uh, the Verratti's back? It, it, were you impressed with what you saw, and and are you impressed with the fringe players, the likes of Draxler and Icardi, actually stepping up at this point and saying we're we're kind of still here too? Well, this is the thing, and I think that also goes back to what Rich was saying about Mbappe. Right? First of all. Um, He's never said that he wants to leave. He just no, hasn't signed no. a new contract. And I know he is still young, forget that. But he's been there a while now. And it's not just about winning the Champions League. It's all, also, rightly or wrongly, he wants to kind of be the main man. And although I think he still should be, there's probably two people sort of commercially and all the rest of it, certainly one who are now ahead of him. So you can understand him maybe wanting to go somewhere else. And as Rich said, sort of Real Madrid is kind of the new project, which they can very much build around him. That might be what he's looking for now. And then he, the performance the other day, and by the way, I think El Kalofi, you know, you might have thought that he was doing a good thing, kind of putting so much public pressure on Mbappe. I thought it was a really classless thing to do, although certainly I would never associate class and El Kalofi in the same sentence. 
Um, and I thought, you know, I, doubt, I don't think kind of rabble-rousing your ultra fans into booing Mbappe, I, don't, I wouldn't have thought that's going to help him make, decide to stay, if anything, that had the opposite of it. But um, the performance, again, it's, it's difficult to completely judge PSG at the moment because it's very much not their first team based on who they've who brought in and who hasn't played yet. Draxler did all right, but I still think not great shape. Sicardi, I think, in the last few games has shown what he does very well, and I still think there's a place for him, even though um, they are looking to sell him. Um, for the rest of it, as we said, despite him being booed very un- ungraciously and ungratefully by his fans, Mbappe made them tick. He scored, um, he basically set up three goals. Um, and you can you can understand his frustration that effectively, I know the Neymar fanboys will say something different, but effectively, Mbappe has been sort of carrying the team for the last couple of years. You've got Navas and Marquinhos sometimes putting them out of holes at the other end of the pitch, but it's Mbappe who's coming up with all, all the sort of attacking animation. And you can understand why he'd be a little bit tired of that. And yes, now there's going to be people very much sharing that workload, but maybe he's got used to being the main man and the person that everyone's turning to to, to come up with those solutions, and he still wants that somewhere else. So I, I felt like the Strasbourg game was, and the Troyes game were, were very much classic PSG of the last two or three years. Sort of, There's not yet any kind of real team ethic or team performance, and it's Navas at one end and Mbappe at the other, um, doing just about enough to, to get them the results. And yes, that's going to be, I think there will be more than enough this year in Liga, but it does still open questions in the Champions League where there's going to be better teams who are better equipped to kind of nullify the, the stronger areas of the PSG team, even with Messi in there. And remember, for, you've got if you've got a front line of, as we discussed a bit before last week, if you've got a front line of, of Messi, Neymar and, and Mbappe, are you going to put Di Maria in the team as well and sacrifice maybe a midfielder? If you do that, um, is Di Maria going to get annoyed? Is Zaccardi going to be annoyed, sort of twiddling his fingers on the pitch, on the bench for for a lot of the season? There's Some, might, some players might say, I don't care. I, I just want to have the opportunity to say I played with Messi. Others might want to leave. PSG should be pushing certain players out of the door. But, um, you know, some of those players that they're pushing out for all their limitations, like Gay and Sarabia, have done jobs for PSG at different times. So I, I know that a lot of journalists, you know, the likes of um, Michael Cox, who I think I've made clear what I think of him in the past, but yeah, I know that there's a few journalists who are just on purpose kind of building PSG up just so they can even gleef, more gleefully have fun when, when they fail. But but there's no way it's a... Yes, you can make them favourites for the Champions League now, but there's no way it's a formality. And Pochettino has got a hell of a lot of um, puzzles that he needs to, to sort of fix if they're going to go on to win it. 
Um, you, we all know that Mbappe or Messi or Neymar can do something in the odd match to, to, win, to win the match, even if PSG are playing badly. But I think to win the Champions League, they're going to need a lot more than that. Mm, big time. And, and, and they probably need a, a, what I would class as a structured, um, uh, regular starting eleven as well. I don't think you can keep on sort of uh, switching it up for Liga and then switching it back to Champions League. You need these players consistently playing with each other. And, you know, we haven't seen what what the sort of fitness records are going to be like. We don't know how many games Messi will play. I mean, you'd imagine most of the big games, but yeah, there's, there's plenty of plenty of questions that remain unanswered at this also, point. In time. People are saying, is you know, is this the greatest transfer window in the history of football? I think it's being a bit overblown. As as Rich said, you know, Messi's 34 and has amazingly retained fitness throughout his career, but he is 34. Ramos has arrived injured. Wijnaldum, I think, is past his best. He can certainly bring stuff to PSG, but I don't, you know, I don't think he's the player he was a couple of years ago. Hakimi, I think, is a superb um, transfer, but that's the only one that I really, really think is standout. Um, and, you know, for Al Khalifi to say that thing about that, you know, turn it on Mbappe and say you wanted a competitive team, this is the most competitive competitive team ever, you've got no excuses. Firstly, I do think that's debatable. And secondly, as Rich said, it's only for a season or two. Mm. And yeah, that, that might be enough for PSG, you know, get, get an ex- give Mbappe an extension, keep him for another season or so, and then we'll cash in next year. That's fair enough. Like, I understand, you know, remember with Rabiot, I understand that the fans would be frustrated if, Pierre, if Mbappe left on a free. But I don't think it's as simple at all as saying, there you go, look, we bought Messi. And by the way, that was a complete accident. Mm. He was <laughs> never going to go anywhere else and PSG could never say no. It's not like it was some kind of stroke of genius on the part of Alcalife or Leonardo. Um, they're or still Neymar, showing that they're not that brilliant in the transfer market and that Leonardo still is incapable of selling anyone. So I, I think Mbappe is entitled to look at what's going on and think, actually, we're, we're, you know, we haven't really sorted that much out. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a debate. I mean, definitely, I think there's a there's there's so many different avenues you could go down in that. And I think I think the one thing that that would be ultimately a failure on PSG's part is if Mbappe walks on a free. But uh, there was a, there was a famous gentleman uh, who once said, I don't know if you've heard of him. I think his name is Arsene something. Uh, that uh, players are just going <laughs> to run down their contracts and walk away for free, and we are seeing it more and more. And I think it's only going to take much like the Jean-Marc Bosman situation. It's only going to take one elite name in the level of Mbappe to do it, and then you were going to see it even more with higher end mm-hmm. players. I mean, Pogba potentially is doing it as well. So maybe Camavinga and Mbappe <laughs> should swap teams. <laughs> we, if that happened, we wouldn't be able to get Rich to to just be quiet for any of the pod, would we? I mean, <laughs> I think Rich would, <laughs> Rich would self combust on the pod if, if that I... was to happen. <laughs> I was just thinking about, you know, uh, uh, the messy transfer. It's like, don't put the kids in the academy and tell mum because they'll be in the Bundesliga before you know it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think one thing we should just mention on the Champions League is that while Monaco may have lost to Chris's uh, alleged best team in Ligue 1, 
on, uh, on Friday. Uh, Monaco did make it through the third qualifying round, 5-1 on aggregate against Sparta Prague. They were very good as well. And it appears the um, uh, fixtures computer doesn't like them very much because they're playing Shabtar Zanetz. Yes, although a shell of the former Shabtar Zanetz. Indeed, um, 10 minutes after we finish recording. So... That's going to be interesting. Yes. I, I, back, I would back them over two legs, I have to say. I don't think Shakhtar are anywhere near the side they used to be. But uh, I think uh, so too. But I don't want to jinx it. But <laughs> I know what you mean. But I, it's, I think this might be, uh, shall we say, less um, emphatic than the yeah. previous round. Yeah, of the other teams they could have got, i.e., sort of Brondu, Sherry, for Dynamo Zagreb, you probably would have yeah. would have gone with them over Shakhtar. But uh, can they do it on a cold evening in Shakhtar Donetsk? We shall see. And uh, of course, we'll mention that next week. Um, right, let's just do our players of the week or standout performers or anybody that we might want to give a little tip of the hat to. Um, we already know that Jazz will not be doing that for Ludovic Shork. So, uh, Jess, who who did you who captured your imagination or sparkled in your eye this weekend? Um, I want to say Guiri, who who had a part in, um, I think all of Nice's goals, but I feel like we've already mentioned him in Nice. So I'm trying I'm trying to think of a player in the Bordeaux Marseille match just so that we can bring that much up. Um, yes. Let's go, Tim Timothy Pembele. Yeah, who, for sure. Um, I thought had a. He came on at half time and, and it wasn't just him and it wasn't like Marseille were dominant in the first half, but he really did change the game and, and um, obviously would have particularly enjoyed scoring against Marseille being a PSG loanee. Um, but yeah, I thought he he sort of really brought Bordeaux back into the match and I think Marseille shot themselves in, in the foot and as fun as they're going to be, they're also I think, going to have issues in defence. I thought Mondondo was awful, really slow. And Perez, I think, looks a terrible player so far. Um, No, but um, yeah, let's give Pembele some some sort of credit for... I mean, the goal was partly Perez sort of backing off and backing off and then the deflection. But for a a very young, very green defender to kind of take the ball on the halfway line and, and sort of have the balls in the velodrome mm. with all those Marseille fans that were baying for his blood or whatever to, to, you know, run from the halfway line, just take it on himself and, 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 you know, have a pop and score. I thought it was really impressive. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And uh, yeah, not only did he get the goal, but he, he changed the momentum of the game just with his direct running, as you said, from, from that position of the pitch. And uh, yeah, if we had more time, we probably would discuss that game, but, in the interest of time, we are just going to give it a nod and say it was terrifically fun entertainment and ultimately a draw. And whatever you think of Marseille, uh, that stadium rocking is is quite the thing. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, fair play to the atmosphere. Um, anyone capture your eye, Phil, this weekend? Anyone you notice? Uh, I'm, I'm going with Mohamed Bayou. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have him every week. <laughs> no, no, but until he stops going. No, yeah. I just love that. Okay, I've come up. Still doing it, mm. and you know, two goals that we can in, uh, you know, an important match 
when you think about, you know, newly promoted teams are usually going to be battling to stay up. And he's there. So nice, well picked out by John Maynard in his preview of uh, Clermont season that's still up on the site. So, yeah, nice, yeah. nice finish. Good, uh, a good attitude and let's hope it continues. Yeah, first start. Very, very good header, I have to say, for the second in particular as well. That was a really mm-hmm. clever corner and flick over the goalkeeper. Maybe a bit questionable, but yeah, I thought it was a proper 1987 striker's finish, that one. Enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed that very much. Uh, Rich, who did you enjoy this weekend? Um, Alfred Gomez, goal for Ren. He's had so much stick. Yeah. A lot of it justified. Um but I thought he had an excellent game against Brest, but I, I'd probably go for um, from the Angers-Lyon game, Mohamed Ali Cho. Yeah, um, people talking about him this week. Yeah, very young player. Looked very exciting. Caused the Lyon defence all sorts of problems. Was the player to really put the pressure on Marcelo into conceding that own goal. Um, nearly scored an absolute rocket. Yeah. Um, in, in the first half, uh, Lopez did well to save. Um, England Youth International, although how long he stays at England Youth International, I don't know. Um, you know certainly the performances, uh, if he continues to put performances like the one against Lyon, then I imagine uh, some of the French youth systems will be looking to, to snap him up. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was a, a very exciting a very exciting display and a very, very good Angers performance. Yeah, yeah, well said, well said. Um, unfortunately, can I just ask, um, Rich, can you just give us a line about, is it Matthias Tell? Oh, Matthias Tell? Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt like a granddad watching it. <laughs> 16-year-old was brought on, youngest, they've got the record from, um, from Caravinga as the youngest player to, to um, appear for Ren. Uh, 16 years, I think 16 years and three months. Jesus. And oh, yeah, he old. came on in the in the latter stages. Whether or not that was the right time to bring him on because um, you know he he perhaps played a part in in um, uh, not tracking back for the for the uh, for the breast equalizer. But I mean 16 years and three months it's like oh my god. You know, he's, he's, he's doing that. And, you know, what the hell was I doing at 16 years, three months? I was probably at home with the curtains drawn playing for <laughs> 99 or whatever. <laughs> Not sat in the park with a cider, no? Um, classier than that, then, in Suffolk. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's, it, you know, and that's that's one thing I have liked about, about Ren so far this season is the sheer volume of, of players, you know, their their entire bench, bar two players in that match against Brest, were academy players, mm. um, which is you know it's great to see, but gosh, we need experience, which is why I'm very glad Baptiste Santa Maria is now back in league uh, yeah. with with Ren having signed him today from Freiburg, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, he's come back. Yeah, yeah, good player. Good, uh, he's a, a little bit of a metronome. I like him. Big big fan of is him. He, so. Is he the Tiny one, he's no. 
He's no, he's, he's more of a. He's a yeah, Sh- oh, Schneidlin type, type build, I would say. You, you'd probably put him under, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's a few dotted around Europe, isn't there? But um, yeah, it's good to see him back and uh, had a good. He had a, you've had a fairly consistent time with Freiburg, so I'm sure you'll slot right back into Ligue 1. So uh, yes, um, thank you all for those. You are all completely wrong. The correct answer was Laurent Abagel for Player of the Weekend, who was exceptional once again for Laurent. <laughs> and uh, once again is my latest Instagram uh, stalk. So, um, uh, sorry, Laurent, if you're listening, it was me liking all your posts. Anyway, moving on quickly before I get the book thrown at me, uh, we will just have a look at next week's fixtures because there is a couple of doozies, in my humble opinion. So uh, we get off an underrun, underrunning. No, that's not a term. I've just made it up, but it's, it's there. Brass host PSG, Friday night, 8 p.m. This is the 20th of August, I should say, recording on the 17th. Uh, Monaco face Lawns. Obviously, like Phil said, they're playing Shakhtar tonight. So will the, uh, the sort of uh, tired legs come into play against uh, Lawns team look decent at the weekend? We shall see. So Etienne against Lille, that has uh, quite a bit of fun written about it, hasn't it? That's Saturday night. Ah, no, I, I'm going to be putting money on that being a goalless draw. Okay, you're going for the going for the lesser lesser interesting element yeah. of it. Yeah. I th- I, it's one of those that could go potentially that way if Lille decide they want to just build on uh, having been slapped last week. Will they sit, sit back and be a bit more defensive? But uh, I'm hoping... For, uh, for a fun game. That's Saturday night. And then Sunday, we've already made reference to Leon hosting Claremont in the early game. That's the 12 pm kickoff, lunchtime. And then we've got four games at 2 pm UK time. Bordeaux face Angers, which all of a sudden becomes a bit more interesting with Angers' good start and Bordeaux's uh, rallying back from their draw at OM in the last weekend of fixtures. Uh, Mets host Rouse. Uh, Jez will be looking to get uh, points back on the board for Mets in that home tie. It's the Crestfield Derby, of course, this weekend. Mm-hmm. So no points for Montpellier this weekend as they host Lorient. Stand by for another 3-3 draw with Lorient equalising in injury time, I think. I, I, I would take that if you offered me that now. I'd quite happily take that. Um, as Strasbourg host Troyes, which again, you know, on paper doesn't look like a, you know, a, a goal fest, but could be interesting given given both sides uh, sort of early sta- early stages of the season, particularly Strasbourg away last week at PSG, we should see. Uh, Ren hosts Nantes. I uh, don't know how Rich feels about that one, but Nantes obviously have surprised a few in the first two games of the season, so we shall see what happens in the 4pm kickoff in that one. And the final game of the weekend, as mentioned earlier on, uh, is Nice against Marseille. Uh, for those of you that might be new to French football or maybe uh, used to watch a lot of the games last season, um, the Sunday kickoffs are normally at 8pm, but uh, just at the start of the season, they start at 7.45 UK. So I know a lot of people tune in, like, I thought it was 8 o'clock, but yeah, tune in at oh, 7.45. Amazon have requested that. Oh, so is that staying now, is it? Because I know last season they started I this time. I think right? so. Ah, there you go then. So, some reason. So moving forwards, uh, get tuned in slightly earlier. But uh, don't forget, UK viewers, uh, make sure you put the commentary on mute for the Sunday evening games. <laughs> I was uh, about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was already ahead of you, Jess, already ahead of you. But uh, yes, um, the, the Sunday game does have a, a tasty look about it. Nice and Marseille it should be a good atmosphere and hopefully a good game. So we'll be back to cover those uh, next week. So um, just remains for me to thank my guests this evening. Uh, thank you very much, Jez. Thank you. And thank you, Rich. 
Thank you very much. And thank you, Phil. Thank you. Right. So whatever you get up to this weekend, uh, make sure you make some time to take in some French action. Uh, we don't think we'll see Messi this weekend, but uh, who knows? I don't, I don't He has trained, so who knows? But when he makes his debut, we'll be sure to cover it, all that and more, of course, on next week's show. Good luck to Monaco tonight. And until next time, enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you very soon.